Dead men tell no tales. Fifty men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? What will we do with the drunken sailor? The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, Pirates of the Caribbean Minute podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artist from scottartist.com. And I'm Heather Artist from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 54 of Dead Man's Chest. Nothing says it's time to get on the radio, to podcast, and to have that, well, to have that liquid at your side that really aids your voice. You know, nice glass of orange juice. That really just wets the whistle. Keeps your voice just... (laughs) Why would I choose orange juice? That's my question. I have no clue. Why couldn't I just get a glass of water or some iced tea or something? You don't drink water. Instead, no, I got orange juice. It's not even a screwdriver, so it's not even pirate-like. It's just orange juice. It's kind of lame, The hell is with that? Yeah, it is lame. Voice is all shriveling up because of the acidity. (laughs) I'm embracing my Bobby Brady. I already do it enough as it is, so why not just go for it full swing? If only there was a way, though, besides the orange juice to let you know that it's Monday... You know, something to kick off the week. If only we could add a pinch of pirate before the show. It's like, we almost need a, how about this? Genius. A pirate word of the week. That's what we need. Ahoy there, scallywags. Pirate word of the week in five, four, three, two, yarr. From crazy to the mundane, we never quite know what's actually going to be in store for us. So what do you have for us today? Something people can tell their bosses or loved ones? Or is it more of the educational variety? You could probably tell this to people. Yes. It's okay. It's okay? Oh, I'll be the, let me be the judge of what this category actually is. Okay, you do that. Splice the main brace. What do you think that means? Well, I can tell you it's not an insult to tell your boss or your loved ones or your friends. (laughs) You said that and I was getting a little hopeful. You didn't say insult. Hey. That's status quo for me. So oh. I, to say something nice or to be something useful. Now, this is, falls more in the educational variety. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you? Splice the main brace? Yeah. Okay, what is it? Pass a round of drinks out to the crew. Oh, well. <laughs> I stand corrected. You got that right, buddy. Really? That's what it means? Yep. Splice the main brace? Yep. Why is that? You didn't bring any research to this? You could have at least told us. To find how do you do with the pirate word of the week. We're starting off with a bang, aren't we? We're talking about drinks and stuff, and we don't even have the history of it, the origin. I don't know to tell you. The place I found it didn't have an origin. So normally then somebody would go, wow, that's weird. It doesn't have an origin. I might just plug it into this weird thing. (laughs) If only there was this device, this thing that lives amongst the clouds. That I could then type into it and ask it a question. It's actually... It's gotten so easy, you can even go, hey Siri, hey Google, 
hey, Alexa, hey, whatever, and ask them. But no, you chose to take the route that, well, I didn't find it there. <laughs> it's actually an order. An order? An order given. Like the captain would say it? Is an order given aboard a naval vessel to issue the crew They're like ration with an of alcoholic rum. a drink. So it's like the ration of rum. Because we all heard that they would get a ration of rum. That's kind of where it came from. So this would be kind of the equivalent of them saying, okay, it's time for our ration. Let's let's do this. It doesn't say that. It just says it's an order. Okay. I don't know what else to say. Thanks, everybody, for joining us for the pirate shabby word origin of the week. I well, like it. I can it. continue to read this. No, I like or it. Or I can you go, actually, read we can go along with the we're our gonna, show. We're going to move along. Because there's a novel idea that's like maybe show prep where you could have just like made a couple of notes where it came from. But no, now I got to call it shabby. Now I was wishing for something that we had like a, you're a one-eyed cracking something. I don't know. See, now I'm on the spot. I can't even come up with a good pirate insult. Oh, well. Okay, there's next week. Like I said, from the crazy to the mundane, we never know where this is going to fall. Sometimes we get the origin, sometimes we don't. This is really like a hodgepodge of stuff that happens. Do you want me to do more? No. Hey, trust us. Nobody out there wants you to do more. A ration of rum a day was standard issue in the Royal Navy until 1970, when concerns over crew members operating machinery under the influence led to rum rationing being abolished. Restrictions were placed on those who could splice the main brace. Any man or officer over the age of 18 who desired to take it received an extra issue of one-eighth of a pint of rum. Well, then there you go. Does that help you any? Kind of. I mean, we, we went over some of that stuff about the rum rations before, but we didn't get the detail that you brought. And I know you're trying to, like, rehabilitate your image with Pirate Word of the Week, and you maybe have done kind of something like that. Because I don't want to give you full props for doing that, because... It goes to your head. But yeah, if you actually, this is like on-air meetings happening right now. If you bring us a phrase and give us a little history about it, then we know. We're not done. Lemonade was actually given to the people who didn't want rum. And that was what? Nobody? Get the hell out of here. Well, if you're under 18 on a naval vessel. Okay, let me rewind that. Get the hell out of here. Nobody wanted lemonade. Yeah, but nobody wanted it. But if you were under 18... On a naval vessel, you'd have to get the lemonade rather than the rum. Oh, that's ridiculous. Get the hell out of here. You know that guy got made fun of. Hey, lemonade man. Oh, lemonade boy. Come on, nobody wanted the lemonade. In the previous minute, because my voice cracked with the orange juice. It's not like they were using glass and you could see through the glass as to what you were drinking. So why would they be lem- made fun of? Because, hey. Because you know they made a big to-do about that. They brought out the big rum thing and then they had to bring out the... The tiny, tiny bottle that had lemonade in it for the one the or pint? two guys. Yeah, like, oh, it's so dainty. We give you your lemonade, sir. Come on, get get out of here. And wasn't I starting the previous minute? In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow and the Motley crew accept the $4.99 per minute charges and jump into a little what can I do for you conversation with the voodoo lady on the other end of the line. Jack kicks off by blowing some hair. Gibbs and Pintel reach a state of excitement for gold, jewels, and unclaimed property of valuable nature. And Rigetti, well, he takes fantasy wishes to a whole new level as he dreams of binocular vision while staring longingly at a jar full of eyeballs. With, by the way, the one good eye he has left. <laughs> Two is better than one, but don't worry, Rigetti. 
one can get the job done, too. Meanwhile, Tia Dalma ups the sexy talk with a pop quiz. What vexes all men? Hot Minute 54 begins with Tia Dalma seductively touching Will Turner's hand as she asks, What indeed? Excuse me. What? It's stroking. Stroking? That would be what it was. Stroking. <laughs> it's having trouble with that. It's like touching and rubbing. Gibbs <laughs> offers a guess. The C? Pintel? Sums? Rigetti? The dichotomy of good and evil. And Jack nails the answer with a woman. The minute ends with Rigetti asking, literally or figuratively? Pintel snaps back sarcastically. I got something in common with Pintel. That's just a side note as I see that. Snaps back sarcastically. Might have something in common with that. But anyways, Pintel, he couldn't literally put his heart in a chest. Could he? (laughs) Okay, I know we don't just like to rehash the minute. I mean... The show's about discussing the things that happen and not just a retelling of it. I mean, nobody wants to sit here and have us kind of walk through it. It's like an audiobook. Are you sure? Well, probably most people don't. I don't know. Maybe they do. Maybe that's a whole new market then. Jack <laughs> bumps his head. <laughs> Tia Dalma smiles. No, that's not going to happen. But I have to tread on that retelling aspect just because there is something that's just really struck me here. I'm starting with the end of this minute. And I do know... Who starts at the end? Yeah, I know doing this, really, because I've accused you of jumping around before. But I figure we can get this out of the way before some, like, heavy discussions that happens. Perhaps heavy discussions, if I can think ahead. Although, with you, you are a wild card. So I could throw something out and we could just be uh, listening to crickets. So, heavy, maybe not so heavy. Anyways, the minute is pretty powerful, so I'm sporting my academic hat today. I know I heard the groans for all those people out there who are... In it for the euphemisms only. But yeah, academics today. Oh, no. Yeah, that's exactly it. I felt a little bad about it myself, too. So the end of the minute. Just when Tia Dalma is dropping the heart of Davy Jones is in the dead man's chest kind of deal. Perhaps you've seen the minute, Heather. Nope. Yeah, exactly. Rigetti says literally or figuratively, and Pintel jumps on him about being ridiculous. And the great part is when Gibbs backs up that sarcastic reply with a look that is like the epitome of... Really? Get the hell out of here. (laughs) You can actually put your heart in a chest. It's a look we've all given or received. Uh, Probably. And that's what I like about it. Gibbs really turns... Gibbs turns to Rigetti and really gives him that, this is so ridiculous, I don't even know why I'm listening to this guy. That's what I like about it. That's the rehash, okay? So, a bit of a rehash. But the interesting part is the assumption that Rigetti is speaking for the audience as well as Pintel and Gibbs. With his gestures, Gibbs, anyways. Surely that's just figuratively, but Pintel and the audience are thinking the same thing. Well, what did we experience? Cursed Aztec gold or immortal skeleton pirates? I mean, maybe a heart in the chest is not so farcical. That's what I'm trying to get at here. That's where mine is. But the audience was saying that. What? In the chest? My heart is in my chest. In the dead man's chest. Not in your chest cavity, but in the dead man's chest. A wooden chest. A box. So that's that's my thing here. I mean, I'd have to, like, roll my eyes on living skeletons. That's what happened. So who am I to refute the word of a voodoo priestess? Especially one with a hairy inverted cross hanging from the ceiling. Pentel, Rigetti, and Gibbs. What? That was a hairy (laughs) cross. Did you see it? It really is. We talked about it the last time, and I looked at it again. There's, like, this weird hair stuff coming around. Jack blows at it to get it off his face. (laughs) Is it spider webs? No, it's, like, attached to that voodoo cross thing. I don't know what, why are we discussing that? That's previous minute anyways. Pentel and Rigetti and Gibbs are the audience here is the whole boiling this down. 
That's us. They're answering the questions we have while sitting in the theater. They're filling us in on this gist of the supernatural element here in this movie. We just have to wait until the next minute to get confirmation. If the heart is really in the chest, literally or figuratively. But that's the thing. The audience starts to ask those questions. And Rigetti, Gibbs, and Pintelic work together to help answer those questions for us. And I don't even know, now that I think about what I was just saying, if that was more like word salad jack stuff than actually to the point. It's probably what it was. But that's what that's what I'm the gist of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Or I was trying to before everybody just got confused and abandoned the show. <laughs> oh, this guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, is this pirate word of the week or what? <laughs> <laughs> this just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. I had the well, my Pintel came out, the sarcastic thing. But I do have a couple of questions after watching this minute. And I'll save the deep one and start with the round robin kind of answer to the question of what vexes men. Gibbs jumps in with the C. Obviously, he's heard the story of this before, so he knows the answer is a C. Yeah. And we get that. Teodalma says that. But Rigetti gets philosophical and throws like this out-of-character answer, this dichotomy of good and evil. Okay, where the hell does he come up with that? I don't even know how he knows <laughs> he the word dichotomy. He was just reading the Bible, so... That's true. Upside down. <laughs> he doesn't know what dichotomy is. But here's my question. Pintel says sums. Sums. What the hell does that mean? Sums? Is he talking math? Is what vexes all men? <laughs> math? Is that what we're talking about is math? Or is it sums of money? So money? Is it money? I'll admit I'm a little lost on that cryptic answer. Because I can see both coming from Pintel. Math is hard. Yeah, Pintel. Okay. <laughs> we get that math is hard for you. Because who the hell wants to add and subtract? It's a pirate, right? Yeah. You know, Pintel? He doesn't look like the math wizard to me. No. It's just weird, though. Also, he's obsessed with treasure, so sums of money works, too. Yeah. Sums. Is it answers to m mathematics? Or is it sums of money? It's got to be sums of money, right? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of weird. That's a weird word. Why, why did Terry and Ted throw that in there? I don't know. I have no idea what that means. I just found it strange. And I even looked it up in the script to make sure I heard it right. And it is sums. Huh. There's no answer in the script either. No, I wish there was like a, <laughs> some notes there like, yeah, why did we choose this word? Well, okay. No, it didn't happen. Maybe it, was, it is math. I don't know. I don't know either. Then if it was if it was math, then that's like a very subtle joke for the kids and for even adults. Right. Because it just slips on by and you can barely... Well, you might not even understand what he's saying, really. You're like, what was that? Because it's so out of place. It just doesn't sound like that would be something that you would be expecting there. Him to say that. Right. I don't know. So math, money, I, I'm not sure. It's got to be more money because he's a pirate. But math is a joke, I don't Maybe. And then, of course, the one who is the worldly guy here, the experience when it comes to women, is Jack. He's the one who knows what vexes men, and he's probably heard the story before, too, of Davy Jones. Yeah. Because he knows, he actually knows Davy Jones, and he knows Tia Dalma, so I think there's a coming together there. And he knew she'd have the answer. Yes. So, maybe. And we should make a mental note that Gibbs says it was the C he fell in love with, referring to Davy Jones for the story. Because Tia says same story, different versions. Fell in love with the sea and a woman, both. And I say make a mental note because that is going to play out over the next movie as well as this one. Yeah. What actually that combination is and why there's a combination. Same story, different version. It could mean like a sums of 
quality that defined a person. I kind of found that. What was that from? Uh, dictionary.com. And what does it say, De- though? You- uh, meaning, sums of quality that define a person is from the 1640s. A sense of person in a play or novel. Hmm. So maybe... Defining qualities. So it's is it possible that Pentel was going down the kind of academic route that was out of character like Rigetti was? Because that's the whole funny part of that, is that Rigetti says something kind of profound. Is Pentel also saying something profound? But then why would you have two profound kind of jokes there? Yeah. Because that's the whole trope. That's the cliche that you see in movies. The Like the village idiot will actually say one time something profound that makes everybody think and look at them weird. Makes more sense than money, though. I mean, than um, math. Well, I'm just... That, yeah, those I'm, are I'm my options. Saying, yeah. But, of course, I think that does make more... I, I can't believe that they would throw a math joke in there like that. Yeah. Like, math is hard. Because they're trying to come up with something that vexes men and, well... Personality would. Well, you know, math quality. would vex math these two. Would, yeah. Adding and subtracting. Yeah. I just, I can't imagine and I can't fathom it that it would be math. There's no way. Yeah. I don't even know why I'm discussing this. It can't be. It's got to be money or he's being profound. But I can't imagine experienced writers like Ted and Terry putting in two profound character jokes here. Yeah. For these two guys. I just can't do that. I can't believe that they did that. It has to be something more simple like money. Yeah. Okay, that I'm going with that. So here's the big bomb here, because I'm going to have to let that go. Otherwise, I'm just going to sit here in silence and think about it. Tia Dalma is telling the story of Davy Jones and a woman, kind of the whole combination there. They fell in love. Here's the quote. It was a woman, as changing and harsh and untamable as a sea. He never stopped loving her, but the pain it caused him was too much to live with, but not enough to cause him to die. So the reason I bring this up is like during this monologue, or baby monologue, more like, not really a monologue. But we cut back to Will a few times, and he appears to be really moved by this story. He's really focused on it and almost contemplating something. Yeah, that's exactly it. He's deep in thought. It's almost yeah. like he relates to it. Yeah. And that's my question. Does Will see himself in this predicament? Is Will identifying with the tragedy here of Davy Jones and this woman? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. He, I, I got that he, he's really thinking about it. But as far as, or is he thinking about his relationship with Elizabeth? That's where I'm going with it. You know. But I didn't want to lead you to it. Well, that's what I got out of it. He's he's thinking about his relationship with Elizabeth. Because this is a strained relationship right now. Yeah. At least on his side. Yeah. Not hers necessarily, but him. So he seems like the story really gets him thinking about that relationship that they're having right now. Because... He's already had these bits of doubt about their love. And now Tia Dalmas tells him this tale and Will gets like visibly emotional about it. Yeah. And here's the evidence as I see it. The similarities. Elizabeth herself can be seen as untamable. Changing, right? Don't you think those two would fit her? I wouldn't say she's harsh. Maybe determined, but I wouldn't say harsh. I would never characterize Elizabeth as harsh. No. But I do say untamable and changing fit. She's been evolving, becoming a pirate. We've seen kind of this transformation with her. Yeah. She knows what she wants. She's driven. And she doesn't want to, like, follow those aristocratic rules. She wants to chart her own course. And Will doubting himself a bit in their relationship, I wonder if that's creeping in when she's telling this story here. Because Davy Jones never stopped loving her in the 
and the insinuation is that the woman stopped loving him. Right. But he still kept on loving her. And I wonder if Will is seeing that with that doubt that he has there. Like, wait, I still love her, but maybe she doesn't love me anymore. Yeah. And that's possible. Maybe that's why it's just all ringing true to him. Or yeah. Or kind of making maybe. him think about he's, this stuff. Yeah, he's really thinking about it. Or it's just this fear that he's going to lose her forever. That could be part oh, of it, possible. too. Maybe that's the part of it. Yeah. Because they had to get, you know, when they last seen each other, they were all... Well, between the bars all over each other. Yeah, but... So it's the, not like... That's true, but the governor was kind of stepping in and trying to put that doubt in his mind. Right. And all that's kind of been eaten away at him. And then the governor keeps trying to undermine both the, or their relationship to Elizabeth the whole time. Yeah. I mean, maybe he had to leave to save her. But in the 18th century, and with the threat of the East India Company that's also looming over all this... It's not like hopping on a plane to go somewhere. Like giving Jack a call on his mobile. Hey, I'm going to be right there. Then you fly out and then you do what you need to do with the compass and you fly back to Elizabeth. We're talking the 18th century. Travels in this time period were just dangerous sea voyages. Krakens also, let alone cannibals. (laughs) Pirates, Jack Sparrow, and now this mythic figure named Davy Jones. I mean, that's not an easy trip. And for what he knows, she's still sitting in a... Cold stone jail. Exactly. Stone cold Steve Austin. You said it just reminded me, so I had to throw it out. Just like a random thought in my head. (laughs) Butterfly like you. I don't even know why I said that. Now I wish I could take it back. I don't even know who that is. We're not going to touch that. Maybe he's unsure if he can succeed and even rescue, like you said, because she's still sitting in the jail. Maybe he's still trying to see. Can he even rescue his damsel in distress here? Or is he going to get screwed over by Jack by chasing after this heart in the chest with the key hanging around or the key on um davy jones's person all the time well that's how they even gonna get that well i think will is just going what the hell is even going on here yeah and how's this gonna help me yeah how can that help me but i don't also think because i i want to reiterate the damsel in distress thing not that i think that will sees her as a damsel in distress it's kind of like a partnership But maybe with this turmoil, he's like the damsel in distress. There's like a role reversal. A typical 18th century role reversal that you would normally have for a pirate movie. Yeah. Maybe Elizabeth needs to save him. Like figuratively and literally, thanks to Rigetti. And maybe we'll find out later on. But yeah, that's interesting. I don't don't know. There is a connection. It does make him think, though. Yeah. That was my my heavy topic for the moment. (laughs) Or the minute, I should say. But with everything that's going on here in this storytelling, she just keeps doubling down on her ability to tell stories like Gibbs. Oh, yeah. She really gets into it with her body movements and everything. She, you really want to not only listen to her, but watch her. Exactly. It's not just the story, but she is actually like really feeling this herself. And yeah. then everybody else is feeling it. And, I, and she just exudes this, I am a voodoo priestess. Yeah. Feel. There's no doubt about it. Right. I, I look at her and I go, if I was going to imagine a voodoo person, that would be her. I just can't stop. All of your voodoo people in your head are now Yeah, Tia they're all her. And all my voodoo friends at work. <laughs> and <laughs> elsewhere. Because I have a lot of voodoo friends. We also know that Tia Dalma, because she's on Cuba, practices Cuban voodoo then. Because that's where she is at, Cuba. 
which is interesting because it's actually a syncretic religion. And that means that it's like a blending of multiple religious beliefs. And no surprise, it's of Caribbean origin, which developed in the Spanish Empire. So the Cuban voodoo is composed of three divisions. The indigenous American division. This is where you're like, boy, they're really uh, like bureaucratic. And those are obviously whose spirits are of American origin. And then there's the African division, whose spirits are of African origin. Interesting. I'm seeing a theme Uh here. And the European division, whose spirits are of European origin. However, usually Spanish spirits. It's more Spanish derived. And although the exact origins of voodoo are unknown, it's generally agreed that this religion has its roots in West Africa. And modern day Benin is regarded as the birthplace of this religion, voodoo. And the name voodoo itself means spirit in the local Fon language, for oh. all you speakers of Fon out there. And it's been suggested that voodoo in West Africa evolved from the ancient traditions of ancestor worship. And what it's like all these forms of voodoo that are practiced today are the result of one of the most inhumane episodes in modern history. And this is according to sources that I found where they're like attributing this to this. So basically... They're linking it back to the African slave trade that took place between the 16th and 19th centuries where voodoo popped really? up. Yeah. So when African slaves were brought to the Americas to work... Yeah, okay. Now we're going to hit the dour side of the show. When African <laughs> slaves were brought to the Americas to work on plantations, they brought voodoo with them. And their masters, however, had other plans regarding the religious practice of their slaves, of course. Yeah. And then a 1685 law was enacted... That, for instance, prohibited the practice of African religions and required all masters to Christianize their slaves within eight days of their arrival in Haiti. Which is crazy. Yeah. And although the slaves accepted Roman Catholicism, they did not give up their traditional beliefs either. And instead, the old and the new merged. And that's why we call it this syncretic religion. Producing some unique results. And many of the Catholic saints were identified with traditional voodoo loas. And that's the spirits, as if you remember from the previous show. Yes. Or held a double meaning for the practitioners of voodoo. And for instance, in Haitian voodoo, St. Peter is recognized as Papa Legba. Papa Jijo. Yeah, no Papa Jijo. And the gatekeeper of the spirit world was what St. Peter was. And while St. Patrick is associated with Dambala, the snake loa. It's like St. Patrick, St. Patrick Day? Yeah, didn't he, did he drive the snakes out of Ireland? Is that how the whole thing goes? Yeah, it's got to be something like that. I don't remember now. But as Heather probably looks that up, here's here's where all of this actually gets interesting. And perhaps it touches a bit on the voodoo fame. You know, lifestyles of the voodoo priestess things mm-hmm. going on here. Although voodoo was practiced in the United States, and specifically I'm talking about places like New Orleans, prior to 1791, it was not as strong a force as it was in Haiti and was brutally suppressed each time it emerged here in the States. Because nobody wanted to see voodoo action happen. Well, Christian yeah. nation. And it was only in the 19th century that voodoo practices in New Orleans were codified by the enigmatic Marie Laveau. Oh, really? Exactly. She kind of brought that back in the 1800s, kind of strengthened it and brought it into the forefront, if you want to say. Yes. I mean, she's not just a song. She's a voodoo queen and Marie Catherine Laveau. She's a real Louisiana Creole practitioner of voodoo. Huh. Who was renowned in New Orleans. So it's not just a song. No. She died in 1881. I think she was born in 1801, if I remember correctly. And Marie Laveau, well, okay, that's a whole other story. It's not a pirate story, so I'm just (laughs) going to leave that for now. But for anyways kind of thing, it's an interesting connection. 
And plus there's a song about it that many people have probably heard. Didn't even really realize. Exactly. I have confirmation. St. Patrick was the one who drove the snakes out of Ireland. You know, I'm actually glad to hear that because I was really doubting myself. I was doing like a Will Turner thing there. And I was afraid, like, I'm sounding like an idiot on here. But okay, now we got it. It's St. Patrick's Day. There we go. So the good news is we can wrap things up with a bit of black magic. Black magic history. Always an interesting topic. Isn't there a song? Black magic. Black magic woman? Yeah. Wait. So you're, you're throwing out black magic woman something song? When I mentioned Marie Laveau, I mean, no well, doubt we have to go out Bobby Bear style, Voodoo Queen action, Marie Laveau song, and you're trying to throw in another one? How dare you? Seriously. Trying to hijack Marie Laveau? Give no, because I really dues. like Marie Laveau. Okay, then. We'll have to go out Marie Laveau style. Maybe she can do something about Pirate Word of the Week. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, dude. We'll be back on Wednesday with Minute 55 of Dead Man's Chest. Until then, Scallywags, let's keep the horn swoggling. And the voodoo practicing to a minimum. Lady named Marie Laveau. She got a black cat tooth and a mojo bone. And anyone who wouldn't leave her alone, she go. Another man done gone. You've been listening to the Black Pearl Show, and we appreciate it, Scallywags. Heather, I know you're still on pirate time and kicking back with the booze, but you may have noticed... Actually, who am I kidding? The only thing you've noticed lately is the inside of the Faithful Bride Tavern. Anyways, our procrastination has paid off yet again and Season 2 is here and we are willfully unprepared. Maybe we can distract people with a Jack Sparrow wave of the hands and send people across that thing called the internet. Check us out on Facebook.com slash Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, Twitter.com slash Black Pearl Men, Instagram.com slash Black Pearl Show, soundcloud.com slash pirates of the caribbean that's for best of clips and by all means give us a plug and review on itunes we'd appreciate it mateys oh and let's not forget the facebook cursed crew listeners group for post episode discussions that's actually a lot to remember especially if you're in a foggy haze like heather just go to blackpearlshow.com and everything is there at the click of a button perhaps i should have just said that from the beginning This is a Shoutreach Media Production. Pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers, but just for fun. I think all you dirty, filthy bilge rats know that Disney and Bruckheimer Films have no affiliation with us at all, and we have none with those blooming cockroaches. We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music... That's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout out to Ross Bugden, Six Nail Coffin, and Tommy Wynn. The rest? Well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather.